It's the Daily Perspective Podcast for Tuesday, the ninth day of March, 2021. Hi there, Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this uh, daily dose of observation, insight, and a bit of absurdity. Hope the last 24 hours has been good to you, that you and yours are doing well, and that you are maintaining an acceptable level of sanity during these insane times in the United States of America. It is, it's crazy days, is it not? Life is just loony. It's just loony here. And, and you have to wonder, I mean, every day I'm scanning, I'm scanning the news, scanning social media, and I just have to shake my head because just when you think it can't get any crazier, it gets crazier. But that's enough for that for now. It's it's a uh, it's a Tuesday. It's a gorgeous day in the neighborhood around here, and I'm looking forward to the day. I uh, I do have some things I've got to get out and run around about later on in the day. But um, life is beginning to shape up in in an interesting way. And I, I've alluded to this little pet project I've been working on for a while, and the pieces are coming together. And yesterday, one of the Big pieces came together, and um, I I got I got excited. I spent how long was I working on that? Um, it was probably a good work day. I probably spent a good eight hours just processing some audio, not not one piece, but the one hundred and thirty or one hundred and forty pieces of audio that uh, that are getting put together. And once that's all up and running, I'm going to be excited about. Uh, telling you about it because i think you're you're probably going to like it as well it's something i can't talk about just yet i just i'm just eh, i'm getting happy about it and and i think that's a good thing um pardon me it's that noise is my coffee cup sliding on my desk yeah i have one of those uh i have this one of those stainless steel things that keeps it hot <laughs> it really really keeps it hot i'll be done with i'll be done recording and absently reach over and grab the cup and and pick up the cup to take a sip while i'm editing or uploading or something and and i'll get burned it stays hot for that long it's it's a great thing um it's uh arctic r-t-i-c is the name of the company and uh why pay for yeti when you can get the same kind of results for a lot lot less that's what i say um, where are we? I'm, I'm scanning social media. I'm, uh, allowing myself to be distracted. I don't really have a heck of a lot as far as personal stuff goes. Um, I mentioned uh, my uncle yesterday. I still haven't heard anything on him. Um, I'm just, uh, all I can assume from that is that they are, uh, they're managing whatever's happening to him. And when I get some information, I'll get some information. That's pretty much it. The, um, uh, let's see. I told you about internet yesterday, the internet service I was looking into, and that unit arrives today. At least that's what the tracking says. <laughs> when they tell you, uh, by nine o'clock tonight, that'll, it'll be here by nine o'clock. I've had so many of those show up the next day that I, I just, I don't have, I don't know whether to be confident about that or not, but I'm kind of excited about it because I really am looking forward to that piece of equipment coming in and spending a little time getting familiar with it, setting it up, and putting it to use. Because if it works like I hope it works, then life in the studio is going to get a lot better. Because it means the download times, upload times, 
a lot of things will move faster than they have before. And on top of that, it will reduce, it'll reduce my bills each month. And, uh, that's, that's what I'm hoping for because honestly, the AT&T U-verse service out here, just it, it's, it's atrocious and I want to get rid of it, but there's nothing else to go to. And I'm hoping that this will work. I'm hoping it'll work. Well, let's see today on the roster of events. Um, I don't know if we'll get to everything we usually don't, but um, there was a, a Twitter thread that I stumbled across yesterday or the day, was it yesterday? Anyway, I stumbled across this Twitter thread the other day about the Obama, uh, the Obama vision of Hospice America. Hospice America. When you, when you look at what's happening in the United States right now, it is kind of like the whole nation is in hospice care. And it's an interesting take. Now, I don't agree that it's Obama's vision. I don't think Obama had any visions. I think Obama was a front man for people who have a communist vision. And uh, his, uh, his effort was, uh, was to, to fundamentally transform the United States of America. That was his goal. In fact, I've, I've played you the bit so many times. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And, and each time I do, I remind you that you do not transform something you love. You preserve or restore something that you love. You think about your relationships. If you love that person, you don't try to transform that person. If you got married thinking you were going to change the person you got married to, you were in for a horrible surprise. <laughs> and many people have learned that. They get married to the wrong person for the wrong reasons, and they wind up in a nasty divorce, and if they're kids, they're hurt, and, and the like. You don't transform something you love. I don't believe that Obama had a vision. I believe Obama was a spokesperson for the vision of a socialist takeover of the United States of America. Hopefully we'll get into how that all ties into what's happened over the last year here in the United States of America. In fact, let me just say this. If it looks like I don't have time, I will strike things and make time. So by the end of the podcast today, we'll talk about that, okay? Then there is um, news about, about who can gather inside without masks coming from the CDC. Um, Texas has launched an operation to combat drug and people smuggling at their southern border because the United States government can't be counted on to do the right thing. The people of Texas have to step up and fight on their own, which they should. They really should. Um, <laughs> someone's popped off about what's really going on in the GOP. It's about time somebody inside the GOP did so besides Donald Trump. Uh, Joe Biden's executive order on voting is is telling the agency agencies to push voting by mail and to combat misinformation. The translation on that is call everything that doesn't agree with the party line a lie. And that's what that amounts to. We'll talk about maybe we'll talk about that. And finally, President Joseph Robinette Biden will be making his very first primetime TV address coming up this Thursday. Exactly a year after the coronavirus pandemic shut down most of the nation. It's going to be his first major address since Inauguration Day. More than 525,000 Americans have died from COVID-19, though 30 million people are fully vaccinated, with millions more expected to be inoculated by this summer. The, um, 
White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said yesterday at Monday's briefing that the president will deliver his first primetime address to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the COVID-19 shutdown on Thursday. He'll discuss the many sacrifices the American people have made over the last year and the grave loss communities and families across the country have suffered. She said Biden looks forward to highlighting the role that Americans will play in beating the virus and moving the country toward getting back to normal. You know, I think it's interesting that she puts it that way and that the Democrats, the socialists, are putting it that way because the sacrifices made by the American people were not willful, willing sacrifices. They were obedience. That's not sacrifice. When you obey the government mandate, when you can't function without complying, then you really don't have much choice but to do that, do you? No, you, you really don't. And here's the thing. If Have you learned this lesson that if you walk into some places, they won't serve you, they won't, they won't take your money, they won't sell you things? That's happened to me. So you have to comply in order to function. That's not sacrifice. It's not sacrifice. Sacrifice is a decision made on your own. It is not something you have to do in order to survive. Because the government says so, or whether it's a state or local or city or, or whatever government says so, or businesses say so. And we'll get into that with Disney here in a little while. Disney's lost billions of dollars. And no, that wasn't a sacrifice on Disney's part. They lost billions of dollars because the government is inept. And the government decided to do something which damaged their billion. Their bill, by, the to, by the tune of billions of dollars, did damage to their business. Mm. Biden has pushed back several major firsts of a president, in part due to the pandemic. He's not held a formal press briefing. He's not scheduled a date for his first joint session address to Congress, the State of the Union. Although NBC News last week reported that the, the latter would likely be pushed to April. An official told NBC, our hope is to be able to do it in the well of the house, but there are a lot of factors that go into determining whether we're able to. Hmm. They're probably having a lot of trouble getting uh, everybody who will attend to wear four masks at the same time. (laughs) Former President Donald Trump played a significant role in the development of a COVID vaccine with Operation Warp Speed. I would say significant. I would say vital. Without that role, we would not have a vaccine or any of the vaccines that have been developed. It wouldn't have happened because he made it happen because he's a business guy. He knows how to get things done and get things done on time. Unlike government, eh, we'll get around to it. We'll get around to it. And if we don't, we'll pay somebody to get around to it and then take credit for it. That's the government approach. Biden sought to speed up delivery of the vaccine. He's pledged 150 million COVID vaccines in his first 100 days. By the way, he's not speeding anything up. The groundwork was laid by Donald Trump. Biden's just taking credit for it. The president's TV address coming up Thursday is expected to come after he signs the $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus package that passed the Senate on Saturday. The World Health Organization declared the coronavirus a pandemic on March 11, 2020. Trump declared a national emergency in the U.S. on March 13, 2020, essentially shutting down the economy for nearly a year. Well, so it's been a year. Biden is going to take advantage of the anniversary 
And he's going to stand in front of a camera in some room in the White House with a, a crew of staff around him, and he is going to read off of a teleprompter. He will not take questions. Nothing he says will be off the cuff. Or <laughs> Trust me, they will have worked that out of him by then. And nothing he says will be words that he wrote. His managers, his handlers, will have crafted every word he says. And he will read from a teleprompter every word you see him say on television Thursday night. And during this presentation, during this address, he will blame Donald Trump for 525,000 deaths from COVID-19 in America. He will. Just watch. He will blame Donald Trump and failures of the Democrat Party for 525,000 Americans dying from COVID-19. And nothing could be further from the truth, but he will still say it. And then the news, the news anchors, the talking heads on all of the leftist news networks will gush about what a wonderful job he did and how wonderful it is to have someone who's actually presidential back in the White House again. And they will echo, parrot his words. They will repeat what he has said and agree. They will not be critical. If he stumbles, if he stutters, if he forgets where he is, gets lost, if he takes off on a tangent and it has nothing to do with what he's talking about, they'll ignore it. Because the last thing in the world the leftists want is for you to realize that the emperor has no clothes. And that's what you can look forward to Thursday night as the news palpitates and salivates over Joe Biden addressing the nation. It's going to be weird. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. Hi there. Tuesday, the ninth day of March, 2021. And I'm, uh, I'm just a little distracted here. I'm, I'm updating notes on, uh, uh, here we are. Let's see. Excellent. Good. All right. I, actually, what I'm doing is up, I'm updating the links at, over at linkreport.us. That's where all the show notes are now. If you haven't listened for a while, I just built a, a website just for the show notes for each day. So you can go over there to linkreport.us and take a gander at today's show notes. The uh, The Biden story that we just talked about is already up. If you're on the live stream on Facebook, hi. You can go over to link, uh, linkreport.us and you'll see that Biden story is up. And the story we're about to talk about will be up there in mere moments. Just 
as soon as I get through relaying the story to you, I will click the publish link and <clears throat> excuse me, and it will be available to you there at link report. One word link report dot us. No, it's not dot com dot net or dot org. It's dot us link report dot us. Well, Joe Biden issued an executive order to increase access to voting Sunday. It instructs federal government agencies to promote voter registration, help Americans apply to vote by mail, and combat misinformation, among other measures. The executive order on promoting access to voting reads like a Democrat party wish list of reforms. You have to say reforms in air quotes because, oh, come on. That enshrines many of the practices that were adopted on a temporary basis during the pandemic-affected 2020 election which enabled Joe Biden to win, by the way. You see, what happened is they they enacted this stuff in key states. And as a result, he won the election. But the Democrats lost ground in Congress. In the House, they lost 16 seats. They lost all but one bellwether state. Everything that predicts reliably for as far back as we know that predicts an election, the outcome of an election, every one of those indicators pointed to Donald Trump winning in a landslide. And yet somehow Joe Biden won. Somehow. Am I saying there was vote fraud? The provisions in the executive order on promoting access to voting Include using federal agencies to promote voter registration, using federal agencies to inform Americans about voting, linking federal agency websites to state voter registration websites, providing voter registration and vote-by-mail applications, using approved nonpartisan third-party organizations to register voters at federal agencies. Approved nonpartisan third-party organizations. In other words, approved by the Democrat Party, third-party, nonpartisan, except that they're all about socialism, organizations. Jeez. You really do have to be dense not to see through this stuff, don't you? Moving on. Using identification documents issued by the agency to help people register to vote. In other words, don't require voter ID because that's racist. But we can use our own our own stuff and we'll just let anybody vote. Um, Providing more multilingual services to potential voters. Can I ask you a question? Why this is going to sound I I, this is I I know how this is going to sound, but I'm going to say it anyway. Why are people who can't speak the English language and communicate in the United States of America voting? Why? They're not part of the nation. They're not assimilated. They're not part of this united. It's United States. We are the the great melting pot. One of the things that happens when you come here is that you embrace this nation and what it stands for and you become part of its community yet what's happening is that people are flooding over the border 
and into their own isolated communities where oftentimes they never learn to speak the English language. Oh, Mark, that's not true. Let me set you up with a little time with my wife who deals with the public every day, all day. And she'll tell you how several times a week or several times a month, a Hispanic family will come in and the kids do all the talking because the parents don't speak English. And they've lived here for a long time. Moving on, giving public employees time off to vote in federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial elections. And what does this mean? That means that state employees at the local, state, and federal level, that government employees, overwhelmingly leftist, overwhelmingly overwhelmingly progressive, will all be given the day off or the time necessary off to go vote because they understand how important it is for the socialists to get out there and vote for more socialism. That's what that means. And the last point, promoting voter registration for... I'm not making this up, I promise. Federal prisoners. No, it's not a punchline. Federal prisoners registered to vote. People who have committed federal crimes, felons... And I have stated this right here very strongly in the past, that it is my personal belief that if you have committed a felony, if you have transgressed the law to that degree, and a jury of your peers, people from your community have decided, yep, that's a federal crime, you should be punished. One of the, one of the items in your punishment should be that you never ha- get to help decide who is president, or who runs for any office, who is elected to any office ever again. You have proven to us as your neighbors in your community that your judgment is so lousy that you have to be put away and taught a lesson. And part of the lesson, part of that punishment is that you will never be able to go into a voting booth or vote online or vote in any way, shape, or form ever again because your judgment is crap and we don't need you making decisions about who is in office. Promoting voter registration for federal prisoners. They want people, not only, not not people who have served their time, and I understand the arguments about serving your time. Well, they've done their time. Yeah. You know what? There's something that should linger after that. There are some things which should linger after the jail time. There are something like a prison tattoo. It should stay with you forever as a reminder of what you did and the price you you paid for it and are continuing to pay for it. That should be part of the lesson. It's like scars reminding you that was a dumb thing to do, and I have scars to prove it. One of those scars socially should be that you can never vote again. That's my, that's my view of it. If, you're, if your rationale is so poor, if your judgment is so bad, it, wound, it got you a federal conviction. We don't need your brain as, uh, involved in the voting process. We just don't. 
because we need really qualified, quality people in charge of things. And you have proven to us you don't understand what that means. One provision states, it is the responsibility of the federal government to expand access to and education about voter registration and election information and to combat misinformation in order to enable all eligible Americans to participate in our democracy. Once again, it's not a democracy. It's a representative republic. We have a constitution. We vote in representatives who stand in our place to execute our will at the federal level. It's not a democracy. Democracies, you know the old illustration, it's two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for lunch. That's a democracy. Misinformation, anything that that contradicts the party line will be misinformation. And there's more to this. There's more. It... it in fact, I will make it. Uh, I will make it live over at LinkReport.us right now. If you're listening to the podcast, it's there. If you're if you're on Facebook, well, it'll be there in just a sec. Okay, you need to read the rest of it. There's uh, three more paragraphs, and those three paragraphs will probably make you just as mad as everything you've already heard. <laughs> oh, there is more to come as the Daily Perspective podcast continues. Welcome back. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the executive order we were just talking about um, is on top. It, that's been pushed forward because there's been a lot of negative publicity about H.R. 1, which is a which is basically a completely un-American bill. It is a socialist. It's a socialist wish list is what it is. And so, essentially, Joe Biden has in, like, not Joe, but the same people who have been managing and hit him and who managed Barack Obama, they, these same people, they're pushing this stuff really hard. And so, they said, well, let's encapsulate as much as we can into an executive order and get Joe to sign it off. And, and we'll, that's how we'll enact as much as we can. Well, I have a feeling you'll be you can look for some lawsuits about that that states will sue. There are already states who are enacting legislation on their state level which effectively nullifies executive orders and executive actions on the federal level. Those will, will of course be challenged by socialists, by the the communists that have been put into office in so many states. By the way, in case you didn't know that, while while you weren't watching, and this is how everything in government happens, by the way, when you're not watching, while you weren't watching, the left, funded by rich people like George Soros and the like, has been putting people in office in states across America, in every state in the country. Socialists. In fact, if you'll do a quick search, you'll find that uh, the Democrat Party in Nevada, 
which has been Harry Reid's little pet for so long, is now the Socialist Party, pretty much. It still says Democrat on the door, but the Socialists have taken over. And the people who had been working as Democrats in that organization, all of them at once, on the same day, resigned. So the Socialists have taken over in Nevada on the Democrat side. It's all under their control now. And that is happening in state after state after state across America as people in the party headquarters are being replaced with socialists. So are people who are attorneys general and other people in responsible areas of government across the states. Because people get focused on the federal level, they get focused on the national level, and they forget that this is a nation of states, not a nation state. That you live in a state, and that state is a sovereign state, and it, it determines its own course. And does so in cooperation with other states, of course, because we all have to play nicely together. But people forget the fact that all of those people in Washington, D.C. are there to represent the states. The Tenth Amendment says that they can't do anything that the states should be in control of. Go, go read the 10th Amendment. They're doing all this stuff like Joe Biden signing off on these executive actions and executive orders, and, and the Democrats are pushing all of this junk through. Well, things are not supposed to be happening that way, and yet they are. And Republicans are not fighting as hard as they should. They're not standing up. They're not going before. They're not going home and telling the people what's happening in Washington, D.C. And many of them are not because they're happy with the status quo. They get a sweet paycheck. They live a, they live a, a fun life. They get to hobnob and party. And, and the ones that are more successful get interviewed on television all the time, so they feel like stars. But the people back home, People back home don't see them like they should. And I talked about this before when uh, when Jeff Sessions in Alabama, where I live, Jeff Sessions announced that he was going to run for the Senate again. Remember, he stepped out and was the attorney general for Donald Trump at the beginning. And he decided, yeah, I think I'm going to run for that office again. Where did he announce it? Did he have a rally in Alabama, something like in Montgomery or Birmingham, and get on the, the local news and have a tap-in feed to, to, uh, to Fox or, or anyplace else? No, he didn't do that. He didn't announce back home. There was no announcement gathering in Alabama. Jeff Sessions announced on the Tucker Carlson show on Fox News to a national audience a national audience. And you will find this is common because they know the money back home is not enough to get them reelected, so they have to appeal nationally. And that's because of the 17th Amendment, which should be repealed. Eh, do your homework. A lot of such things are going on today. And there are some breaths of fresh air like uh, GOP Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, they took all of her uh, committee appointments away from her, and she said, Woohoo! Now I get to, now I get to have some fun. <laughs> well, Saturday she fired back at her Republican colleagues who told The Hill, 
that they were growing increasingly frustrated with her efforts to delay congressional business by forcing procedural votes to adjourn the House each day. In a lengthy, lengthy Twitter feed, Green Saturday shared the Hill's article that detailed criticisms from fellow GOP House members, including Representatives Ann Wagner, David Joyce, and Tim Wahlberg. The lawmakers said Green's futile procedural votes, which require members to walk to the House floor, are disrupting committee hearings and virtual constituent meetings, making them less effective at representing their own constituents. (laughs) Really? Don't you think their constituents would rather them show up in person and vote for something, if it's that important? In response to the article, Green tweeted, quote, I dedicated this thread to my GOP colleagues. The headline of this article should read, Marjorie cares about the people, not the politicians, and refuses to join the swamp. I didn't get voted into office by politicians. I serve the people. Then she launched into a series of rebukes against her GOP colleagues, who she said, quote, don't share the outrage that Republican voters feel about the Democrats' radical agenda. As, of a, as if a $1.9 trillion woke progressive spending spree with only 9% to COVID isn't enough. Dems destroying women's rights and sports, wiping out religious freedoms, defunding the police, HR1, erasing gender completely. Doesn't seem to be enough to make some of my GOP colleagues feel like they can actually stand up out of a chair and walk to go vote for a motion to adjourn. They'd rather sit on committee Zoom meetings where they're mute and their hands are tied, doing nothing. Remember, she was removed from her committee assignments last month over past social media posts advancing conspiracy theories, they said, and supporting violence against top Democratic leaders, such as Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Eh. Then she explained that she calls for motions to adjourn so the Democrats can have at least another hour to come to their senses before they vote for this kind of crap. Her words. Oddly, she goes on to say, some of my GOP colleagues don't share my outrage and are annoyed with me for trying to do anything I possibly can to disrupt and stop the Democrats from destroying our country. The Georgia congresswoman then further railed against her colleagues, saying she was motivated to run for office after she, along with most Republican voters, lost full confidence in many of the Republicans we elect. She concludes, here's a little reminder for you. Trump is not on the ticket in 2022, so you better think hard about how your whining sounds to your voters who really don't care about how far you have to walk to vote. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, good for her. Very good for her. I'm glad she's speaking up. I'm glad she's making people angry. I'm glad she's getting some attention. I'm glad. Because somebody needs to stand up to the insanity. Somebody needs to... Somebody needs to draw attention to the lunacy that is business as usual in Washington, D.C., and point out the fact that a lot of people who wear the R label, they're Republicans, are comfy, cozy, they prefer their Zoom meetings, and oddly, it's an imposition and an inconvenience for them to have to get up from behind their desks and actually go and stand 
in play in some place and vote. The image you may have of of uh, the well being full of people when the business is going on is is a mistake. It's it's you're you see pictures of all of these people sitting in their seats and and business going on. That that really only happens when they know that there are going to be cameras present and they're going to be seen on television. That pretty much only happens then. If it's just C-SPAN, they really don't care. Which is why if you watch C-SPAN, you will see someone Oh, I I get a mental image of Rand Paul, okay? Rand Paul standing at a lectern, at a microphone, addressing everybody and saying great things that the people agree with and go, so, yo, say it again. That's awesome. Say it again. They need to hear that. But what they don't show you is that there's like four other people in the room while he's speaking. They're all in meetings. Yeah, because they're important and they're busy. And they're doing the business of their people. And they're, they're paying attention to their constituents. That's why you go home. And you should go home more often. And you should spend more time at home. You actually should live at home and then commute to D.C. to do business now and then. That's what you should be doing. But you're living in D.C. and you go home to visit now and then. If you actually lived at home and had to deal with things at home, you would understand what the people at home are so angry about. But you are removed from that atmosphere, and you are there in the swamp, and you're used to wading through the swamp and breathing the air of the swamp and communicating in the swamp, which is not at all like it is back home. Being a representative or a senator was never supposed to be a full-time job. Never. But not only has been it has it been made into a full-time job, it's been made into a career. It's been made into a get-rich scheme. And those who are elected to office arrive in Washington, D.C. in deep debt and retire as multimillionaires. Don't believe me? Just ask Nancy Pelosi. Ask Mitch McConnell. Ask Chuck Schumer. They're filthy rich. Time for the final segment of this Thursday edition, Thursday, Tuesday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. Just looking over my schedule for the week. I got stuck on Thursday. It is um, the ninth day of March 2021. Good to have you along. And I mentioned at the top of the program, I wanted to talk about this uh, this thing about Hospice America. And we have arrived. Now I'm, I'm going to put the link up to this. And uh, what this is, is a Twitter thread that I ran across the other day that I think is interesting. And I do this from time to time. I'll stumble across something on Twitter and, and post the thread. There's a, there's a website 
that lets you compile a thread of tweets into one page so that you can read it more easily. You don't have to have a Twitter app. You don't have to have, you know, you don't have to even be involved with Twitter to be able to read it. They just suck all of the text out and format it in a way that makes it easier to read. And they throw their own ads into it as well. So they're making some money. It's called threadreaderapp.com. If you haven't used it, it's a great way to share stuff you find on Twitter. Anyway, there you go. Um, Let me just read through this. And then uh, if we need to stop, we'll stop. And then we'll, you know, kind of talk about things. Here we go. After years of employment growth, resurgent confidence, and the first stirrings of cultural renewal, COVID-19 shoved us back into Barack Obama's vision of hospice America, a dying nation whose socialist caretakers consume our wealth while making our decline comfortable. Obama's vision held that the American century was largely a mistake, and our claims to greatness were uh, were hypocritical, unfair, and xenophobic. We belonged in those hospice beds, fading away, to make room for a vibrantly multicultural world to take the reins of history. To the Obama Democrats, American greatness was an illusion achieved by ruthless inequality and exploitation. The socialists would see to it that our deathbeds were equally comfortable as the fire of innovation, industry, competition, and ambition died in America's graying eyes. The key element of Obama's rhetoric was that only American government was great or capable of achieving great things. Private endeavors were trickery and ruthless exploitation. You didn't build that. Only the political class and the almighty state could have Sputnik moments. The colossal failure of Obama's vision, the truth of his government as a pit of corruption and an an ineptocracy that kept making billions of dollars vanish into foolish investments, bungled projects, and slush funds, made disillusioned Americans rise from their hospice beds. But the pandemic slammed us right back down into those beds, restraints buckled in place and masks strapped across our faces, watching helplessly as our wealth is pillaged and squandered again. This time they won't let us get back up. The American century ends once and for all. And it's not some vibrant rainbow coalition of happy uh, decolonized third-worlders taking their equitable share of global power and guiding the planet into a multicultural future of fairness. It's a murderous, fascist superpower. Communist China taking control as America fades. The left is stoking the fires of cultural warfare and racial resentment to keep us from organizing against them. We're being taught to hate and fear each other so that we don't cooperate or compete with each other willingly. This hospice frowns on the patients fraternizing. Political correctness and cancel culture are destroying our ability to communicate with anyone except the state and its agents. That's the end game of all this lunacy. No one feels comfortable using the words or ideas necessary to organize resistance against collectivist power. There are polls that show a majority of Americans are literally afraid to speak in public because they fear PC cancel mobs, which could destroy their business or get them fired over social media posts. 
What good is your precious First Amendment if you're afraid to use it? Watch I Care A Lot and imagine the Democrat superstate is Marla and Americans are her victims. And you're pretty close to where the pandemic has left us. The only way to break out of that trap is to resist. Do all the things Hospice America patients aren't supposed to do. Real resistance isn't the schoolyard play acting game the neurotic left indulged in from 2017 to 2020. Real resistance is hard. It involves risk and sacrifice. You're up against forces that are willing, no, eager, to hurt you, not joust with you on Twitter. The first step in real resistance, the first thing you must do to change the momentum of history and shatter the illusions of those who would dominate you, is to look around and see one another. Show each other you're not alone. Teach the political class you can't be ignored. Every oppressive ideology teaches its subjects to feel alone and isolated, afraid to speak up because everyone around them is a potential informer. Vast majorities are subdued by atomizing them, making each person feel lonely and even a little crazy for doubting the consensus. Look to each other for strength and understand you're not alone in seeing what's happening right now as lunacy. You're not ready to lie down and die. You know the American century is not over. The truth is that mankind needs us more than ever as we face our greatest test. Look in the mirror each morning and see someone who has both power and responsibility, who has the right to speak in both agreement and dissent, who has the only freedom that really matters, the right to refuse. See a man or woman who must be persuaded, not commanded. Understand, in that mirror, you see the most valuable capital on this planet, and you own it 100%. You alone determine its value. Resist those hatching expensive, insane schemes to take control of your capital and destroy its value. They're not your friends or your nurses. Americans do not belong in some expensive but dilapidated state-run hospice. We should be standing atop the latest wonder we've built, planning the next one. The greatest battle for freedom in humanity and human history has been joined. We belong on the front lines, not dying in bed. That's by John Hayward. As I said, it's a thread of Twitter po- uh, posts from over the from over the weekend, and I think it illustrates our situation very accurately. If you look at America today as a result of COVID-19 as a hospice, it fits. And we are being treated as if we are hospice patients. They control everything. They dictate every move. And they expect us to comply for our own good while they destroy everything great about our country and fundamentally transform the United States of America into a socialist paradise, something they've been dreaming about 
for a very long time. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. They firmly believe that they are the ones who can fundamentally transform the United States of America into a kinder, gentler nation that plays nicely with others. A multicultural paradise. And they ignore the fact that every time that they have tried this everywhere else in the world, they have either backed away from their dream, moderated it, abandoned it, or in a few cases, doubled down and starved their people almost to death. North Korea, communist China, Venezuela, as we spoke yesterday about them rationing diesel fuel to truckers. They sit on, I believe it said, the article said, the largest oil reserve in the world. And their people are starving. Millions have fled the country looking for food and work. And they're rationing diesel fuel to truck drivers who don't have enough fuel to deliver groceries to the grocery stores and goods to other places. That is socialism. And that same country just issued a new, a new banknote, a new bill, like the 10, the 20, the 50, the 100. Theirs is the Bolivar. They have just issued the 1 million Bolivar bill. 1 million. And you're thinking, wow, is that just a souvenir or something? Is that one of those things? Because every now and then, you know, you see that $100,000 bill. Or, you know, you see those million-dollar bills pop up. They're just souvenir things, right? That's a joke, right? No, it's real. Because the the Bolivar is worth so little, they can print a bill worth a million of them. That million-dollar Bolivar bill in that socialist paradise of Venezuela is worth about 53 cents U.S., And that, my friend, is socialism. And that is the end of today's podcast. God bless you. Have a good one. Let's get back together tomorrow for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.